listening to the Basketball Scottish Football Podcast with me, a host, Johnny Clark. Yes, hosting again just a few weeks after my last uh, t- turn in the hot seat. And it's Scottish, Scottish Cup yet again. And we have uh, with us on the panel Kilmarnock Callum and Rangers Fisher. Uh, unfortunately, we had planned to have um, Dundee United fan Tom with us, but a few technical issues with his, his uh, mic making a bit of uh, noise up in Dundee. So... We just have the Kilmarnock fan and the Rangers fan joining us today. Um, so, a uh, staunch, staunch, staunch podcast indeed. Yes. Um, we'll just get right into it. Actually, we'll start with Rangers. We'll start with with Fisher. Um, what did you make of yesterday's yesterday's game against Air United, Callum? Yeah. Uh, well, for a kick off, it was fucking freezing um, <laughs> the entire time. Uh, never really thought that in all my days I'd I'd watch football in a and an Antarctic like blizzard, but uh, that's kind of the weather we got yesterday. Um, no, it was good. I, I think obviously to begin with, it was a sticky start. Uh, with the air came out. I think you obviously you were there as well, Johnny. Air came out, looked really really up mm. for it. Put us under a wee bit of pressure early, and obviously got their goal um, from 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 a mistake from Fodringham. Obviously the ball's gone back to him, and he's just I think he's taking about three touches, and it's not really set for him to to kind of get get the ball away, and air have scored and then you're probably thinking at that point it could be difficult for us. But I think after that, you know, we hit the bar a couple of times, obviously the, the Morelos miss, which I'm sure we'll speak about. Um, but after that, I think we grew into the game quite well. Um, and, and, and actually in the second half, controlled it really, really well. I mean, pretty much as soon as we went 2-1 up, I think the game the game was kind of gone here. United didn't really trouble us at all. and. And you know, after a after a bit of a, a sticky start, as I say, I think that's what you're wanting. Just for us to take control of the game, um, settle things down, which we did, um, and and get through it the next round with obviously no disrespect to air, but in the end up, it was a pretty routine victory for us. Yeah, I think first half air sort of gave as good as they got, and second half, like you say, it took sixty six minutes for Rangers to actually take the lead for the first time. Um, but there was that chance, I think, for air of on about 50, 55 minutes when I think it was McDade got played through and he had a chance from just inside the box, which Fodderingham saved, and that was kind of the turning point for me. I thought, obviously, that's a huge chance for air to take the lead. If they do go ahead, then um, it's, a, it's a potentially a different game, that sort of cliche. But as, as it happened, Rangers just... They were, the last half an hour, they were excellent, weren't they? Yeah, I thought so. I think... Um Particularly when we went, because I think to begin with, obviously again, Johnny, you had a, you probably had a better view from than me, because I was right down pretty much pitch side, um, mm. to the kind of far end of the north terrace, so kind of right beside the home fans. I think Rangers came out with with like a four was it a four two three one, and then kind of changed it round to the kind of diamond shape where we goss um and Windass at either end with Cummins and Morelos up front, and I think that seemed to that's when we really took control of the game. Um, and I thought really after that you know after the second goal as I said I think we did really well to just quickly kind of kill the game I think it was three goals in 11 minutes or something like that Um, so we were it took us a wee while but I thought we were really really good at points yesterday and obviously it was good to see um, your kind of main guys getting amongst the goals, you know, Morelos, Windass, Cummins, and then a, a first goal for Jamie Murphy as well, which which you could see obviously meant a lot to him. So, 
a particularly tricky game that I think we navigated well. Um, as I say, after a bit of a after a bit of a poor start, but I think you always expect that, particularly when you go away to to teams like Air who are having a really good season. They're going to be right up for that, mm-hmm. um, and they are going to make it difficult. And at times, you're just going to have to to keep things tight, sitting, um, and just hopefully take control of the game, um, and then wait for your chances. And I think we did that well yesterday. Yeah, what what was your kind of impression of the game from from the TV? I, I guess you watched it on the the TV yesterday, Kelly Cal. Um, yeah, yeah. What did you make of the What did you make of the game? Um, well, firstly, I mean, congrats to Rangers. I, I thought they were excellent, and to be honest, it was really a goal for nothing. That Air get their cell in front way, and it was just Rangers pressure for then on in. Um, like I say, they, they had a crossbar a couple of times, and Morelos with that sitter. Let's just really reiterate what what uh, officials just said. But to be honest, I was slightly disappointed. Where um, I thought the I thought the team selection was wrong. I know they were struggling with injuries, but the, well, I was I was saying um, to my dad when I was watching it that out of the like um, minus the defence, their attacking midfield, there was only one defensive minded player, mm-hmm. and that I thought their midfield was far too attacking. It was Michael Moffat playing centre mid as well. It's like. Like, whereas traditionally obviously he's a goal scorer I know he's kind of played slightly advanced kind of playmaker recently but I, I don't think he can get it a game against Rangers playing you know a kind of season striker at centre mid uh, and I don't think Jamie Adams did anywhere near enough um, to be the kind of the muscle on the side I noticed so many times where Rangers were breaking through the midfield nobody was tracking back either um, like, there was a period in the second half where I think it might have been Declan John that carried the ball forward Past three air players and all three of them just stopped. No, no intent to go back and defend whatsoever. Um, and in particular, I was very disappointed with Declan McDade, who's a player that I've, I like, and I was looking forward to seeing what he could do against obviously a right good opposition in Rangers. And I thought he was anonymous for the full game, and when he had the ball, he was pretty wasteful. Um, so no, I, I I was really quite disappointed where I thought that they would have maybe matched up a. A bit more. Maybe I've been very overcritical, and Rangers played very well in fairness. Um, but I just thought that the the Ayr's goal was really just a blip, and Rangers never ever looked like losing that game. For where I was watching it, uh, I, I thought Rangers were were totally dominant, and Air had to do a hell of a lot more if they were even to try and uh, sneak a replay there because I thought Rangers were far too dominant. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought. When you look at the the actual game, I think, as I said earlier, it took 66 minutes for Rangers to actually take the lead for the first time. So when you look at it that way, I mean, they were only ahead for less than a third of the game. Um, as you say, it was a very, very convincing I think, at the end. I think that goes back to maybe what I was saying earlier about in games like this, when you are away from home against a team like Air, who are of a sufficient quality that they're going to cause you problems, as they did at times yesterday, mm. I think we ju- you just need to be patient and just make sure that you're not um, making it more difficult for yourselves than, than it should be. And obviously we went behind, but as soon as we... After that, we, we kind of got a grip of the game. Um, we didn't give air too many chances. Obviously, McDade had that, that chance, which was actually right in front of me uh, in the save from Fodringham. But aside from that, we were quite good, I think, at managing the game and making sure we won, we, we won the battles in the midfield um, and didn't give too much away. And I, and I always thought that... Um, the goal for us was coming. We just had to be patient uh, and and wait for the kind of quality that was in our team to show, um, and I felt we did that. Hmm. 
yeah, no, no, definitely. I, I just what I was saying, Johnny originally was I know that like Rangers eventually, as I say, what was it, sixty six minutes? They eventually yeah. two one up, but it was just it was only a matter of time. It was just air were hanging on for for dear life for me for for the minute they were up one 0 I mean, Rangers just constantly dominated the match, and too often. The air fullbacks weren't doing anywhere near enough to try and stop crosses coming into the box. Like they, they were given, um, well, most of the time it would have been the Rangers fullbacks, Tavernier and John, three or four yards, like to, which is more than enough room in order to get across. And you need to be right up tight against them to stop balls coming into the box, and they weren't doing that. And like I said it was just a matter of time. I mean, Rangers played the vast majority of the game and the edge of the. Area United eighteen yard line. I I know I'm being very critical, and I need to obviously appreciate you playing in League One and that. But I I thought that getting into the match, they could have maybe done a lot more to to, to stop Rangers playing as freely as they did. Um, and I think they had to be a lot more pragmatic. As I say, I thought the midfield was was laughable. Uh, it was it was never ever got to stop that Rangers midfield particularly. Well, the system it was the kind of. It was a four-four-two diamond, kind of. Was it originally, hmm. uh, Fisher? Um, I think th- uh, to begin with, it was a. F- it looked kind of like a four-two-three-one that got changed. I don't know if my. I don't know right. if maybe Cummins was playing because, as I say, I've only really seen the goals back and from where I was, it wasn't great. But from what I've kind of seen on the forums and on Twitter and stuff like that after the game, we certainly did change to to the diamond um, fairly early on. Um, yeah, and I think I'd, whether or not it was a four two three one with with Cummins playing wide, um, or it was still a four two three one with with Cummins kind of playing just off, um, oh, Morelos. Goodness, yeah. Uh, but we, we definitely did change, and I think we uh, we we Goss where he was. Obviously, Goss is a deep lying kind of playmaker type. Um, he's not the kind of guy that is gonna gonna break up the play, but uh, he did really well in there. I thought, um, and just and just overall, really, I think, the in the midfield, as you say, there wasn't really too, too much of a contest for me. I thought we were always in control of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and let's say just to reiterate, I mean, if you're ever going to to have short results in a cup. I mean, the the biggest thing is really to kind of nullify the middle of the park. You you've got to flood that area, um, and and try to stop the other team from playing. And they didn't. Well, that was the air trying to 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 play to their strengths, and obviously they're they're pretty direct and, and scored goals. And obviously, air still set up as a four four two. But I just thought it was never ever going to work, particularly with Michael Moffat playing alongside Adams. Uh, when you're going up against the quality, Goss, Doherty, Windass, and then tracking the runs of the likes of Tavernier and Declan John. Uh, but end of the day, fair play to Rangers. They played some played some really good stuff in difficult conditions, but I just thought that their midfield have, have got a lot to answer for. Hmm. I'll just give a, a quick sort of rundown on, on what I thought from an air point of view because we've obviously had... Interesting, we've, we've kind of got a, someone who was in the home end, someone who was in the away end, and, and someone who watched it on TV, which kind of gives you three completely different perspectives uh, quite mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And I'd say I agree with a, a lot of what you've said. I mean, before the game, we're in, in the pub having a pint, and I've seen the lineup, and I've said, I've said to my two mates who were down supporting Rangers, Air have essentially gone with five forwards against Rangers, which is absolutely crazy. Um, it, the lineup does kind of look. I don't know how many changes they've made from the game against Alloa last week. I know that Mark Kerr went off injured last week in centre midfield, which could have caused him a bit of bother. 
but it looks like the sort of team that would just start a League One game. Um, so from that point of view, I can understand it is totally crazy to just sort of not change anything for a game against Rangers um, from a League One team's point of view. But you've also got to look, I think there's a lot of injury injury problems. As yeah. I said, Mark Kerr went off that game. Uh, Andy Geggen's playing it right back. I think he's normally playing in, in midfield, and uh, defensive midfielder. So there's a lot of a lot of injury problems, but I, I totally agree with you. They they got completely dominated down the the wings. The fullbacks had had little or no chance uh, against Rangers wingers, um, and I think that's where the game was won. The one thing I would slightly disagree with though, I I don't think that if Rangers were massive, of course they were in control of the game, but I don't think Air disgraced themselves. I think for sixty minutes. Um, and either at the start of the second half, as I say, McDade had that chance, and if that goes in, yeah. it's potentially different. I I thought they were, I thought for sixty five minutes they gave a very very good account of themselves there, but in the last twenty five they kind of showed the weakness that they've they've had all season in the league um, defensively, which from an Ian McCall side does kind of surprise you actually, um, you have to say, especially after last season's bore fest um, in the championship. <laughs> Uh, but we'll move no, on. No. We'll move on from here. Actually, we'll, we'll talk about uh, Aberdeen. As we say, we've got we've got Tom, who's not here, <laughs> uh, who's who was at the game of the Dundee United end. Uh, so we're going to hear from him after. But we're going to talk about Aberdeen just now. Um, Kelly Cow, did you watch your next round opponents yesterday? Yes, I, I did indeed, Johnny. And what did you make of them? Eh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, it was. <laughs> Just typical Aberdeen, really straightforward, and I thought that it was a really comfortable, comfortable performance. Um, for the United point of view, I really feel for the United supporters, obviously Tom in particular, um, Craig Slater, absolutely shocking, uh, which I was really disappointed with because I was hoping that he could go and perform to a kind of decent level. Um, particularly a game of that magnitude and obviously he was hooked at half time which really tells you everything you need to know um, just in, I, I don't know really what to say from the United point of view just thought they were very poor but credit to Aberdeen I mean some of the football they played was brilliant Christie was a, a joy to watch particularly in the first half and really just a straightforward performance and uh, a performance that gives me the fear going into the next round <laughs> Fisher did you get a chance to watch the game after were you back from Somerset in time to get to the pub to watch it? Uh, I saw, I saw a little bit of it. I saw Mackay Stevens goal, um, and just kind of reading on Twitter and things like that, uh, it kind of looked like Aberdeen pretty much just went through Dundee United with little resistance. To be honest with you, um, I think it's a game. I mean, obviously, you, you talk about the new firm derby and things like that, but. But, but Aberdeen really did, from what I saw, look a real class above Dundee United, which is obviously to be expected mm-hmm. given um, the 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 two sides' fortunes of late. Uh, I just I think from by all accounts it could have even Aberdeen could have genuinely had about four or five in that first half. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they did have three, so I suppose yeah. they weren't they weren't too far <laughs> off. Mackay Stephen though is fitting into that Aberdeen Aberdeen team. Um, very very nicely, isn't he, uh, Kelly Cal? No, definitely. Um, I mean, the last kind of month and a half or whatever, he's he's really really come on to a game um, and really conveying the type of player that everybody thought 
he could have been and his biggest problem has been inconsistency throughout his career. He's, he's certainly over, let's say, the last month and a half been one of the most, well, probably one of the standout players in the league, um, if, if not overall. Like, due to just, let's say, he's scoring goals, assisting goals, getting into the right areas, taking on full-backs and, let's say, really just a joy to watch. And I just thought Aberdeen as a whole yesterday played played some brilliant stuff and, I mean, just a straightforward performance. I, I don't, I know they still conceded two goals, of course, but I just, Dundee United just offered very little threat going forward. I thought, again, to have a go at the lineup. I thought Dundee United's lineup was was wrong. Obviously, I've not seen a lot of them, but I thought, I mean, a lot of these guys that that started yesterday didn't, you know, don't have kind of big game experience in that. Whereas you're sitting with guys like Scott McDonald on the bench. Like, mm. I mean, surely that's the kind of game that you want to bring these guys into because you need to be there to help the kind of younger players as well. I mean, look at the kind of magnitude of the games that Scott McDonald's played in over his career. He's starting on the bench. Um, and I, well, I know I'm not the only one because I know Tom had a go at the team sheet yesterday on Twitter um, saying how, how poor he thought it was. But I, I don't know. And, and the boy McMullen, I like him. I thought he would have started and obviously come on at half-time. But... Um, and Scott scored a wonderful goal I may add uh, I, th- I thought it was an excellent finish um, to, to beat Freddie Woodman for, for that kind of area so like I said nothing more I can add really just straightforward performance for Aberdeen and um, to be honest it wasn't really surprising I was hoping that United would have given them, given them more a game but it just it never came to fruition I, I think it's just another obviously what we said about the, the previous game here in Rangers it was just another kind of routine Victory uh, for for Aberdeen in a game where you probably were were anticipating a wee bit more. Absolutely, um, that covers Sunday's games quite well. I think in the first twenty minutes, so we'll go on to talk about Saturday's game. We'll start off with we'll start off by giving Brora Rangers a bit of credit, won't we, Kelly Carl? Yeah. Um, would you like me to give my analysis first, or would you as a <laughs> the Highland representative <laughs> like to like to give yours first. Of course, no, of course you can go first. You were at the game yesterday, so <laughs> eh, on Saturday, so feel free. Uh, no, it, I thought. Um, like I say, it was obviously I'm first and foremost delighted to be in the next round. Even though, in my opinion, it's probably one of the, well, it is in my opinion the worst tie we could have got. Genuinely, getting into the next round uh, due to a horrendous record against Aberdeen. But I will come on to that later on. But no, uh, Brora, I, I was speaking to you obviously after it, Johnny, and I'd like to give them a lot of credit. I know it's all easy to come out and, and say, oh, hey, hey, fair play to teams when you end up beating them and beating them kind of comfortably uh, at the end. But I thought, Brora, it, it would have been easy for them to just come and sit 10 men behind the ball and, and not do anything. But it was far from that. Any time that Broder had the ball, they went direct and tried to get forward as much as possible. But as well as they tried to play football, um, whereas I've seen many a team. I mean, and says oh, I mean, obviously Kilmarnock. I mean, obviously Rangers and Celtic supporters would have seen it a hell of a lot more. But many teams come for the kind of war war leagues and they'll just sit sit and hope for a a draw or whatever uh, and just clear the lines. Whereas Bruno never done that. They they tried to play as much as possible and because we were trying to flood players forward when they did sometimes get the ball they were going direct dead quickly and causing us problems that way so no, I'd like to give them a lot of credit for actually trying to play football and, and when they had the ball trying to utilise it properly opposed to just clearing the lines um, 
in particular the number nine for Broder, who I think we spoke about was uh, Boy Sutherland, Johnny, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was Andrew Sutherland. I didn't actually check that though. So uh, I, 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 I did. Yeah, it's it's, I'm I'm on the team sheets anyway, Sutherland. I thought I thought he was brown. He looked like a right nappy wee player. Um, and and I was I was very impressed with him. Uh, like, I no, I I thought Broder tried to play as much football as he could, and and they they had the some of the home support a bit nervous, and we got a goal at a right crucial time in the game. I think it was just after forty minutes or whatever that uh, Tushbola scored. So. So that was a massive turning point in the game, of course. Because um, if Broder could have held out to half time, then you never know what could have happened. But we got to go at, at a great time that settled our nerves and allowed us to come out in the second half and and you know play freely. But particular in particular because Broder came out quite quickly in the second half and had us under a wee bit of pressure. They, I think they maybe had three or four corners in a row, and then after that. Because we're playing such a high line, we were able to get in behind quite quickly. Uh, and you even seen Chris Boyd run run about twenty five thirty yards <laughs> uh, with the ball at his feet to, to slot at home. So no, delighted to win the next round. But I'd like to to give Broder as much credit as possible because I've seen I've seen teams that have meant to be a better standard play play a lot worse and not play any football at all. So I've got a lot of respect for what Broder done and obviously. They brought in a very good support as well, so to give those guys a shout out after a very long journey. Yeah, I think four hundred and thirty of them or something came mm-hmm. down, um, and that's I mean they they had a couple maybe fifty at, even at Forest and the Highland League, so they're not gonna or at least they do have a, a reasonable normal backing. I mean you think in Forest to Broad is not far, but that's still nearly a hundred miles. Um, Crazy. They really are well travelled. Uh, the Brora supporters, but yeah, I've obviously seen them earlier on this season. I thought they were quite strange actually. That we've got Ian McCall and Ross Tokley as their two kind of lower league teams that we've talked about so far. Their managers and they've both been weirdly attacking. You would never <laughs> associate McCall and Tokley with um, that sort of that sort of football. So a wee bit surprising, but I, when I seen them, I thought they were. Not great defensively. I mean, Forrest put three past them that day, but they looked good going forward. Um, and look at their strike force. They've, let's say they've got Sutherland, who's played for Peterhead and Inverness as well, and uh, Craig Gunn, who I mean, just if you know anything about lower league or anything about League Two, you'll know that he's been in, he's in double figures for Elgin. Yeah. yeah, he was. He's he's joined Borough this in the summer, I think. But he's he was at Elgin in double figures for about eight years in a row or something in League Two. So, <laughs> um, you know, they've got a high standard of player. Uh, maybe a bit to do with the, the oil industry there. But um, what did you make of Kilmarnock? Um, obviously, it's kind of hard to judge against a Highland League opposition, but it's now fi- five, six wins on, on the bounce at Rugby Park? Oh, it's, it's six wins now, which is absolutely incredible when you consider that we couldn't buy a home win for months. Um, no, uh, delighted that, that we got the job done and played to a really professional standard. Obviously, a few changes, which I expected. Uh, delighted to see Tishbola get a, a run out and get a goal as well. Um, you can tell that the the big man's a wee bit short in match fitness, but I, I thought he played played really well and you know likes a tackle and uses the ball well. Obviously, Malumbu came into the game a bit more because he was quite quite shaky actually. Malumbu, maybe the first fifteen minutes or so, twenty minutes, he couldn't really get a foothold in the game at all. And a few of the broader boys were 
you know, quick to let him know he was in a game uh, mm. and, and shutting him down as quickly as possible. So it's a fair play to that. But then he eventually grew into the game and brought the likes of Jones in, who, who again, as, as Per was dancing past players, but again, to no real end product. Um, uh, but the, the main thing for me was seeing uh, Greg Kilty get just under 80 minutes, which is obviously a big plus for us. Um, obviously, Kilty's been out since May. And he's returning May. That was him just coming back for a long term injury that kept him out for six months. So I'm over the moon to to, to see Kilty come back in, and he he certainly wasn't shy and jumped in for a few tackles as well, which was good to see to show that he's got full confidence in his body and and uh, it wasn't like he was he was watching like what you know he was he was playing a lot more risk free than than you would imagine for somebody that's just come back for an injury. Um, and again, it, great seeing Big Boyd get another goal and. Hopefully, hopefully keep continuing. Uh, he's incredible goal scoring form for Kilmarnock. Brophy came on, who I thought played played really well. I mean, a, a absolute wonder strike. The good thing about Brophy is he's very good with both feet as well. Uh, I think you you maybe seen the highlights when he first came on. He brought out a great save in the Broda keeper, and that was for his left peg coming in for the right, and then only a matter of minutes later, he's coming in for the left on his right foot and bang in at the back of the net. And I'm led to believe there was. Scouts for Brighton, apparently, who were there to watch Eamon Brophy, which I thought was quite surprising. Um, so uh, he certainly wouldn't have done, done that any harm with a, a wonder goal. Interesting, actually. That's a, um, we'll move on to the other Highland League team. We'll talk about Cove against Falkirk. I mean, this was a kind of... A, both both uh, halves started with two goals inside five minutes, and that was it for the whole game. Um <laughs> I think it was 1-1 after three minutes and then Falkirk scored twice in, in three minutes in the start of the second half. Um, I actually backed Cove at half-time, so I'll probably take some sort of blame for that. Um, Falkirk into the into the quarterfinals again. They've got a really nice cup record. Obviously, they lost in the final to Inverness in 2014. Um, they quite like a good cup... 2015, was it? Yeah. Yes. Oh, sorry, I thought it was 2014. Um 14 that, with St. Johnson. That bottling against Inverness, as we <laughs> like to remind uh, local local um, Falkirk fan Connor of. Um, Formerly of this parish. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> it's, what did we make of this? Because this wasn't the usual routine game against a, a non-league team. This was a Cove side who, you know, Falkirk were three to five, I think, to, to win up there. This wasn't meant to be an easy game for them. And looking at the highlights, actually, it wasn't an easy game. Um, and the first half, I think, judging from what I heard from a friend who was at the game, he he says that it was um, a kind of Cove were the better team in the first half. So it's Paul Hartley will be delighted to sort of navigate this one comfortably, won't he? Well, in the end, can I count? Pressure? Uh, yeah, 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 I'll come in. Uh, no, absolutely. Um, the, the the thing that, that stuck out for me was how confident you were that Cove would win. Mm. Um, in a, for a man who knows his Highland League as well as his lower league and <laughs> stuff. So, so, so that's one that stuck out for me, thinking that, well, maybe maybe I have underestimated this game because I was pretty confident Falkirk would win. And obviously I've been proven right now. But uh, <laughs> no, but it, it did make me doubt it. And obviously I say it'd be... One one after body, what three minutes or whatever, yeah. um, to to get yourself back into the game and that they'll obviously be disappointed with conceding such an early goal, but to get ourselves back into the game as quick as possible. If uh, Mitch Megson what's that thirty eight goals or something he scored this yeah, season? Yeah, thirty eight. So 
Exactly. <laughs> uh, aye, so, so no, like, and it will look to be a wee bit of a difficult surface as well. Because um, I think there was doubts that the game would be on, but obviously we went through and let's say Falkirk Falkirk in the next round of the cup and I'd say great for them to <coughs> to continue their kind of cup form so uh, but obviously they've been greeted with the, the task of beating Rangers at Ibrox in the next Cove round. could have yeah, gone like two on up as well for an own goal at one point like with the ball that comes to oh, uh, the ball yeah, comes aye. through and the Falkirk defenders just about knocked it past the keeper um, and he's ju- just about kept out like he's really scrambling Um Obviously, the BBC highlights that there isn't a lot of them, but from what I saw anyway, um, Cove really did look like they made it difficult for Falkirk, and on a surface like that, the ball just looked like it was bobbling all over the place. Um, uh, and obviously, Falkirk again just running out winners, but you know, it did. It, it, I think <laughs> Cove more uh, than gave enough evidence to suggest that uh, your confidence in them wasn't misplaced, Johnny. Yeah, well, I think actually Kelly Cal called the score perfectly 3 1 um, in the prediction. So we'll give credit to Kelly Cal there for what was a perfect prediction. But I think Cove definitely gave themselves, well, they've done themselves proud. That's not even their home stadium they're playing at. They're playing at, I think it's Harlow Park in Inverurie. So it's completely, I mean, they've played all their Highland League games there as well. Uh, well, away from home, I think they share it around three or four stadiums. But to be doing that well, I mean, that's the first time they've lost to Scottish opposition in about 13 months or something like that. Um, they've beaten uh, Stenhouse Muir comfortably down at uh, Oakle View and they've done well in the in the Challenge Cup. They lost to Northern Irish uh, Crusaders, I think it was. So, um, yeah, they've, they've, they've given themselves, they've done very well in, in, in all the Cups this year and, of course, dominating the Highland League and... I would fully expect them to be in League Two next season. Um, barring any, of course, it's a playoff, so it's, it's it requires a bit of luck um, when they play the lone league champions. And then, of course, Cowdenbeath, who <laughs> we'll come on to later, have not won since August, August the eighth. Um, <laughs> so I, I do expect them to be in League Two um, in next season. And as we say, we, we, you touched upon. Um, Mitch Meganson there, and it's just like Brora as well. They've they've genuine quality in that team. Like the strikers that he was playing yeah. for Aberdeen, um, only four or five years ago, maybe if that. Um, so it's, it's genuine quality uh, at that level. But we'll move Should on. Should we give a shout out to the the boy up front for Falkirk that's on loan for Watford with the two goals as well? Absolutely, yeah. He looks like a good a, a good wee signing actually. I seen him at Livingston. How is it you pronounce his second name? Yeah. Jakubiak. 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 Yeah. Jakubiak. Uh, I said two, two, two good finishes. Um, Fair as well as obviously Sybil's goal was very well taken, yeah. kind of cushion volley. But no, like I said, I think he looks like a bit of a live wire. Um, seems to be decent business for Paul Hartley um, after their, their monthly madness. I, d- I don't know mm. how many players they signed in January there, but uh, uh, he, he looks like a decent player. There's a lot, a lot of comings and goings at Falkirk. Um, yeah. But I say when, when I spoke to Paul Hartley after the Livingston game, because I was uh, at that one for the Falkirk Herald, and he gave the Cove so much respect, saying he actually knew, he knew the managers, he knew all about them, he knew that they hadn't lost in 13 months. He, he knew the same with Fort Martin, because obviously they could have played either team at that point. But he is a he's a switched-on guy, uh, Paul Hartley, and I think... He's he's been getting a bit of stick, but he's he's done a lot of a lot of, um, he's had 
a very busy January, shall we say, and yeah. I think we'll see the best from him soon at, uh, at Falkirk. We'll move on to something a bit more familiar, um, Celtic against Park Thistle. This was actually, I, I seen it on the TV and I thought that's a bit, a bit of a depressing one, to be honest, for your Saturday morning uh, live Sky game. It's one that we'll see three times this season and now Park Thistle haven't beaten Celtic since 1994 or something like that. <laughs> 30 years or something. And you, you couldn't really see that changing. But they gave them a very, very good goal, didn't they, in the end? Yeah, yeah no, well, I, I totally agree with you, Johnny, because I, I was forgetting that was early kick-off. So, so I was playing FIFA before I went out and then I was like, oh, it's the back of 12, I better put on the football. And then... By the time I'd put it on and I went in to make a cup of tea, I came back in and Celtic were already up 1-0. And mm. I was like, oh, God, this has just got to be miserable. And then, obviously, after 10 minutes, Forrest getting a second, which was a, a very, very good goal, in fairness. I was thinking, this is just torture. And like I said, it, was just, it, it looked like a training match for Celtic. And then Jozo Simunovic with a kind of moment of madness without... I just... When you see those happening, like those terrible back passes, you're thinking, just look just look up and you're not going to exactly. make that because you, you see him bring the ball down and you're thinking surely he's not going to pass it and then he does but in fairness and I thought it was an absolute wonderful finish for Dylan. Uh take it in uh, the first time as well I thought it was an excellent finish got Thistle back in it again kind of rattled Celtic then Celtic were able to see it out to, to half time uh, came out again second half 3-1 three, three up I was thinking oh that's it over and then Patrick again had a wee bit of a spell and then Salmon scored and again I thought it was a pretty good goal uh, questionable defending you could say for Celtic but Salmon does well to hold hold. I think it's Simonovic again hold him off and a, a very very good finish into the, the bottom left corner and it, but Partick again, didn't really come close after, after that uh, there was one good chance where Erskine whipped a wonderful ball into the box and uh, Tierney was able to to get back in and, and uh, cover and, and defend it quite well, but that was really it. Um, but j- just to just to basically reiterate what you've said there, Johnny was saying at first I was like, oh, it's got to be a, a horror air game. It actually turned out not to be as bad as, as we'd hoped, but I was hoping Thistle would, would get away equaliser, but obviously that never happened. Mm, Connor Salmon's starting to repay those 20 goals I promised him at the start of last <laughs> season. That's <laughs> him up to four now after his double at Queen's Park, uh, Queen in the South. Um, I'm going to give you the honours of this, Callum Fisher. Mm. Just how good has James Forrest been this season and last? I mean, obviously, from from Celtic fans that I know, obviously, uh, all, all three of us know quite a few, given uh, given their uh, involvement with this with this pod and things like that. Um, I think with Celtic fans, there was always a, a bit of a frustration in terms of his end product. Um, obviously, we know what Forrest's game is like. Um, but it seems as though under Brendan Rodgers, and I, I think just talking to Celtic fans, as I say, he's not completely taking us out of his game, as there is still a bit of a frustration there. Um, however, there is now, I think, a wee bit more quality in his end product, and I think you saw that with, with his uh, with his finishing um, uh, the weekend. His second goal was taken really, really well. Um, and he again, even with some of the chances that he created uh, for himself, there was a save in the in the first half where he where he gets the ball and he picks it up and drives about about fifteen yards or so before forcing a uh, a good save from the goalkeeper. 
Um, and he's 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 third he's third goal as well. Um, is 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 a good finish. He gets away from the two defenders and 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 puts it in. So um, I, I think, and I think this this is probably even the case talking from a Scotland point of view as well. It is frustrating because there, there is obvious qualities there in terms of him being a good player. Um, however, you would probably say that he, that he doesn't show it often enough. But certainly, um, on the game on Saturday, he seemed to look as though he was Celtic's kind of main outlet um, and everything, absolutely everything went through him uh, and obviously you can see that with getting his hat-trick and, and obviously as I said he created more chances for himself and Celtic and it, it probably could have been more than, than not just three for Celtic but, but three for James Forrest as well. Hmm. Um, is there any other any other points anyone would like to make on the this Glasgow derby? Um, or should we move on? I, th- uh, I think that's my sorry. I think that's my nice quota about Celtic up for the next yeah. ten years. So. <laughs> um, maybe a wee word on uh, Thomas Cherney's kick out at Dembele. Thought he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh yeah, yeah. If you recall it. Sorry, I was, I was ah, when you said like kick it. out, I was thinking of a goal kick. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> I, sorry. Uh, my my term word uh, choice wasn't it? Wasn't it too great? Um, no, like, I, I just thought it was funny because I knew what he was doing straight away. I mean, as much as Thomas Yearney's actually a pretty good goalie, he's... He leaves the knee <laughs> hanging there, doesn't he? Oh, oh, mm. aye. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. Uh, I, 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 I just thought if MD wanted to, to make a quick wee point in that because, I mean, he's pretty notorious for it anyway. Mm. I think it probably was, probably was deliberate, actually. Um Another interesting one though as well from I seen on Twitter this morning there was a I can't remember who posted the original tweet I think it was in fact it was Stephen Cragen that posted the original tweet and he said something I actually agreed with him Jesus uh, like fans were not best pleased but he said that Mikhail Lustig made a total meal of that tackle at the end of the first half oh, um, definitely because obviously he's a guy with injury problems so when you go, when you see him go down like that you're you're genuinely worried for him. Um, and I, there was hardly anything in it. I think he's maybe taken a knock on the knee, but you take a knock on the knee, you don't go down screaming, hammering the floor, and you, you could hear him. Jen, you could hear him screaming on on sports scenes. So I, I thought that was kind of out of order, but no, definitely because it's funny you say that because when we ended up watching the the highlights back, because I watched the game live, but watched the highlights as well, and, and who I was with uh, when the tackle went in, they were like, oof. If that's a bad one, I was like, he played the full 90 after that, yeah. like, like, um, because at first I thought it was an absolute horror, uh, with just his reaction, and I was like, oh no, then as Johnny said, you, you did feel the worst for him, because he's a guy that's had his, his injury problems, but he just went on and zaffed on the top and mm. played the full that's, 90, so... To me, that doesn't suggest that, that it, was a, it was a bad... T- uh, that it, it, it was just a, a slightly late challenge, but there was... No, it wasn't even. No, it, it was, was a 50-50. I think it was a good Just looking at it kind of earlier, I struggled to see where there's a great deal of contact because it's his left knee he holds. But the way he slides in, you would expect it to be his right knee that takes most of the contact. But it's his left knee you see holding when he comes back up and he's kind of kicking, like as Johnny said, he's, he's screaming at I didn't really see... Uh, fair enough, obviously, because uh, at one point it does look as though kind of Booth's the kind of the bottom of his boot 
uh, goes into his knee. Um, but I, I, yeah. I would probably agree with with what both of you were saying uh, in terms of. I think he certainly certainly made the most of it anyway. Um, and I think you can, for me, you can tell when a player is genuinely in that sort of challenge is hurt. Um, and for me, obviously not saying that it that it wasn't a sore one, but I would agree with, with both Ian saying that he probably made the most of it. Mm. And another point I'm going to make actually about this was what I seen on sports scene, the goal sound. Every time the ball hits the net, they, they play the exact same little cheer. <laughs> Connor Salmon scores. <sighs> James Forrest scores. <sighs> exact same noise. Um, is it the whistle as well? Did yeah, the whistle as well. The exact same whistle from the ref, just to make it even more obvious. Um, <laughs> if you've got time and you're that bored, listen to it because it's quite funny. Um, we're going to move on. Eight out of eight favourites won in the Scottish Cup this weekend. One of them that nobody in our entire ten-man panel predicted. Um, they were actually favourites. It was Motherwell at Dens. Um, so apparently this was a shock. I mean, according to us, it was a shock. According to the bookies, it was straightforward. But they're picking up again, Motherwell, aren't they? Because they had that horrible patch where we were... I think the last time I was hosts, we were talking about how they were about to go 10 without a win. Um, mm-hmm. Since then, they've picked up big time, haven't they? No, definitely. Um, I like that success, even though he, didn't, he never scored on Saturday as the, the newest signing up front. Uh, Curtis Main, is it? Yeah. Uh, I think he's brought a, a great deal of quality. Like I say, I, I know that he <coughs> he never scored in Saturday in particular, but I think in regards to Motherwell's form in general, it's good now they've got they've got a striker up there who can score goals, and I think Chifty complements him quite well. So they've got a a good forward too. Um, but no, I I thought this one had drawn written all over it. To be honest, uh, I know a few of the boys went for. Mm. Um, uh, I I didn't win, but no, I, th- I thought it's a draw that all over it. But fair play to Motherwell because I mean, like it's, it's, even though it's a kind of bog standard minging kind of run of the mill Premiership game, it's still a very very difficult cup tie, and that's why I thought it was it was destined for a replay. But they went and thoroughly deserved the win. I mean, it was a pretty pretty routine one as well for for Motherwell, and they they, they seen the game out well uh, when they were up two and zero. So no, nah, I like to say. Like thoroughly deserved, and another howler uh, OG as well, wasn't it? Mm. Kevin Holt. Kevin Holt. Was uh, Matt had um, main on to score, as you said there. Main um, played well, but he didn't score. Matt, Matt actually got paid out on Curtis main to score for that goal. Oh, it's an absolute joke, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely nowhere near it. He's putting the pressure on, but. That's an absolute. Parish most is, he's doing. Parish has had an absolute nightmare, in my opinion, for for Motherwell's first. Uh, I think he should be doing better with that because it it, it mm. kind of goes through. It goes. Through, what is it you call it? Lettuce hands or something, Johnny? Wet lettuce. Wet lettuce. hands. I think. Um, I think he should be doing better than that. And obviously, the own goal was, uh, is is an absolute shocker. To be honest with you, I don't. Aye, again, and it's, it's it's not even unfair. But it, the way I worded don't go, uh, it was more to suggest that it was Holt's fault. But again, it's the keeper but again. I, he just comes out. No need for him to be at that angle. It was kind of similar to um, the mix-up between was it Woodman and um, O'Connor? Yeah, that, that old yeah. game. Like, you're like, why? Why is like, and I like Fred the Woodman, but there was no need at all for him to to come that far out. I mean, mm. his, his defender was. Got to deal with that fine, but no, it was like I said, just kind of somewhat um, 
yeah, it's a similar kind of situation to that to some extent. But again, the main problem for the D is it's been all season. Is that they just never ever take their chances? Like never. Musa's got a great chance um, in the second half before he comes in off the left and basically just hits it straight off the keeper. I mean, he, he does keep pretty well and just hits a pass back right. The goalie has to score there. Um, then that's it. That's just the main thing that it hasn't been going for the deal season. I like AJ Leach Smith and I like Musa, but neither of them are consistent in scoring goals. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, the polar opposite, you've got um, Curtis Main at Motherwell, who's who's well, is is exactly what you want. Put when you're in the bottom six, as a guaranteed goal scorer, and I, I think that he is one. Yeah, I think Dundee. I've had a really horrible week actually with that end of January uh, as well, last couple right, of weeks. Coker's not that bad a signing, man. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I really, really liked Coker uh, in the Premier League. That's an unbelievable signing, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> that is a really good signing. Uh, a guy that Jurgen Klopp once just started pinging on up front every up every front. last last five minutes of games they weren't winning. A guy that our, uh, our very own Lewis Kemp was very adamant for a good wee while should be in uh, the Scotland squad as well. He he still thinks he'll be in the Scotland squad in, in like it's twenty twenty team I think it is or maybe further ahead than that. He's got Cocker in there. Cocker's what? I'm sure he's not. He's not even Scottish. Twenty. But he, well, see, is is he Scottish dad or granddad or something? Yeah, that's something. He can But I don't get how he can play for us now that he's already been capped. Or like, how does that work? Here? Apparently, because it's not a competitive game. Um, I have to say I've not right. looked that up, but I think he's not played a competitive game for. For um, England yet, so potentially could play for us. That's what Lewis was saying. Anyway, um, I think he's just a bit deluded potentially. But um, and just a point on, on Motherwell before we go. Um, it's a point that you could kind of make for Hearts as well. But if they get obviously they they play Hearts, so the winner of that will be in the semi final. Both of those teams have got something against Celtic this season. Obviously, Motherwell were in the cup final earlier this season, and they'll feel hard done by twice in a week from Celtic. And Hearts have obviously got this this feud with Levine and Brown. So, if Celtic get through, and obviously they're the team that everyone's looking to stop, then there could be an interesting tie there. They've got either one of those two, Rangers or Aberdeen, probably. Well, they've already so they've already <laughs> beaten obviously Rangers we've got in a semi final this season anyway. Yeah, so there's there's. The semi-finals could be very interesting. I, w- I won't say Aberdeen are definitely going to beat Kilmarnock or Rangers are definitely beat Falkirk. Um, but even Kilmarnock, Celtic could be an interesting one as well. So just from that point of view, so teams try to stop Celtic, there's um, enough incentive, I think, um, for those two teams. But we'll touch on Hearts and Martin Dumbarton briefly. Um, Hearts, very, very comfortable and a, a cracking goal involved in that game as well as they beat... I think it was Dimitri... Dimitri Mitchell. Dimitri Mitchell from Manchester United, that was it. He looks really, um, really good from what I've seen. Yeah. He was he oh, was aye. really, really good against Hibs and against St Johnston uh, in the highlights. Mm-hmm. He's he's very, very impressive. He looks like a man he looks like a man United or a player that's on loan from a kinda higher level league. Definitely. He's the, I seen him against Hibs and he was absolutely. I think that was his debut. Yeah, that was, maybe, that was his debut. Yeah, because yeah. remember that sweet volley that he caught um, that mm-hmm. Marciano made a wonderful save from like, for the left hand side. Yeah, like you can just see his technique. He's just he's, he's a class act. And the thing I like 
about him as well is that he's despite being obviously a left back, left mid, he's he's very comfortable on both feet. He's uh, he's very good with his right foot, which is a is a big thing for me. I always like footballers who actually can use both feet instead of one foot at players. Mm-hmm. Um so no, I I think he's a class act and what a wonderful goal that was. But as well, firstly I thought well, I thought his first goal was excellent. Uh, absolutely brilliant finish. I've spoke about it before. Um, Lafferty's ability to go across the keeper is one of the he's really really good at that he's, he's done it throughout his full career <coughs> hitting balls across the keeper he always finds that corner um, it, like, as you can see with his goal against Celtic in, in the last match uh, well no the the 4-0 game in December sorry um, and he, he scored a good few for Rangers over his time one sticks out against uh, Motherwell at Fur Park mm-hmm. where he, he hits right across the keeper um, and he, he scored a couple against us as well in the cup uh, going across the goal I think he's one of the best in the business at that and his, his second goal as well great hold up play good ball out wide and gets Smith that puts in a wonderful cross right into his path and just an easy finish so, that's a great uh, sorry that sorry to interrupt but that's a that's a great no. ball in for him as well because it's, oh, it it's just it's so perfect it's uh, inch perfect just a wonderful wonderful wee pass in and, and great finish and not Fair play to Hearts. I mean, I know if any Hearts fans are still listening, uh, <laughs> I know they'd be maybe tuned off after the the consistency of me, Ryan, and uh, Lewis Kemper, Andrew Gamba, who were giving them a hell of a lot of pelters. But fair play, by the way, because too, too, too easy now to say, oh, boring Hearts or whatever, but to go and beat St. Johnson, who are a pretty stubborn side, 3-0, um, <clears throat> and create numerous chances is credit to... Credit to Craig Levine, which I say through Craig. <laughs> <laughs> With the, the neutrality stays, though, because, as we say, me and, me and Tom absolutely love Levine. I think he's, <laughs> I think Levine's brilliant. And uh, Tom actually mentioned a... Levine and the word Scotland, the word Scotland and job in the same <laughs> sentence the other day. So we'll, we'll move again, quickly, return. Quickly, quickly away from Levine being the next Scotland manager. As remember those specks flying off his little face. Western thing. <laughs> He's uh, oh. to be fair, it's just there's uh, I got quite a lot of respect now for Craig Levine after kind of oh, his 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 recent his recent tirade. Well, I and obviously in my opinion, anybody that that um that comes out and says that sort of stuff regarding Scott Brown, uh, I, I give up. I'm a I'm a fan of. But did it, do you remember there was a time when uh, I think he was was it, he was Dundee United manager, I think. And he get fined by the SFA um, for I think it might have been might even have been the pr- the post match interview you know the one on YouTube uh, where he's at Ibrox uh, Rangers uh, aye and uh, the SFA kept fining him and kept fining him and he just refused to pay it and then he, <laughs> and, the, and the SFA eventually just went uh, right well there's not much more we can do and they just <laughs> they just get off it. After that 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 post match interview is like gospel. It's just yeah, it's genius. Probably. Absolutely truth fantastic. as well, man. The truth, man. <laughs> Craig Levine, truther. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, obviously I still hate Levine, man. But I, I know it's obviously been commented on. But just like it's, Fisher, isn't it just like a wrestling gimmick now? Aye. <laughs> He's literally <laughs> turned into like a character in maybe Monday Night Raw or whatever. Just like <laughs> totally proper badass now. Just, just comes out comes out and there's there's nobody that he's, he's scared of. He's just scattergun approach. Like, <laughs> takes out oh, everybody. Oh. This is the thing though, like I know next time we play them, 
Uh, so he'll say something towards Rangers, and he'll be back to being an arsehole again. But for just now, I'm 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 riding the Craig Levine hype train. He's taken on Lennon and Brown, so I'm not surprised that you're pleased with what he's up to just now. Well, I know. Just uh, just it's just good to watch more characters in the game. Whoever yeah, thought we'd be saying that in regards to Craig Levine, more characters oh. like Levine in the game. I still hate him, but I think some of it's funny, but it's more fun out of disbelief. I just don't know what he's putting his breakfast in December <laughs> that he's just totally turned There's into. There's a Michael Stewart one as well, actually, where that, that was quite Oh, he hates Michael Stewart. Oh, it's brilliant. He absolutely hates Michael Stewart. Like he's what the the comment that's actually better than anything he said about Brown and Lennon. See the comment about how he bought or it's something like Michael Stewart was his worst ever bit of transfer business and he didn't pay any money for him. Anyway, should we give a mention about uh, just quickly about how poor St Johnson are? Yeah, I thought about mentioning that. I thought I'd maybe let them off one more week, but they have no. been really. Shocking. not great at all recently have they but this sort of I've been saying this in general I think every single podcast I've be, ever been on I've said it St Johnson being consistent is a complete myth they're not consistent they've went to Ibrox and, and outplayed Rangers um, so, well I don't know I wasn't to there but fair. certainly 3-1 at Ibrox um, and they, they, I was at Celtic Park for the game they were there and it was one each early in the season and that put them at top of the table and they were absolutely fantastic and since then they've been Recent weeks they lost at home to Thistle. They've been beaten twice by Hearts. What is what is wrong with them? How are they so inconsistent? Well, the, the main thing is goals. Uh, I know that was the cup, but they've scored the least amount of goals in the league. Is that uh, right? Twenty, yeah. Uh, twenty-two goals in twenty-four games. You, um, it's shocking. You were going to make a point point earlier on, Fisher. I know, just that, that's exactly it, is the absolute lack of I, just, up front. I know Chris Kane's back on loan, mm. well, back from his loan spell at Queen's, um, who I think is actually a decent enough player, but I still think that he's, he's, he's not got a, he's not got, a, you're obviously not got to score 10 goals a season now, but the proverbial, you want a double figure. Uh, striker, which I think Stephen McLean obviously has proven in the past, but they're far too heavily reliant on him. Um, I think it was something that obviously the last five games, maybe even be six now, uh, including Saturday, that they'd only scored three goals or something. Uh, or, or, no, no, they'd failed to score in three of the games. I mean, it's just it's a recipe for disaster. And I don't know. I, I, I just think that Tommy Wright, I don't know. It's, it's just one of these things you don't like to see, but eventually... Teams can't stay where they are forever and punch above their weight forever. Mm. They're probably, in regards to size of club or whatever, in in like previous, like where they probably should be in the table. But because of how good they've been uh, since McInnes brought them up, really, um, it's more of a shock. But I think that they're, they're actually probably really just punching out their way, but still pretty disappointing considering their like their, their consistency in the past. They get in top six in European football. Hmm. So we're starting the Tommy Wright out bandwagon today. No, I like Tommy Wright. I just mean that this is. I mean, I mean to score less goals and 
Hamilton have scored like, like nine more goals than on this season. Like, it's staggering. The Craig Levine hype train rolling right through Tommy Wright out station. Now, <laughs> 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 last game in the Scottish Cup is Morton de Barton. We'll tie this into beginning talking about the draw because Morton got Celtic after a comfortable win against Championship Dumbarton has put them into the quarters. Um, they're a team, obviously they were in the League Cup semi-final against Aberdeen, was it last season? It was last season, wasn't it? So they, they've they put together a couple of decent cup runs. Um, did you see the highlights of this, anybody? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I saw uh, Aye, but, but pretty straightforward performance for Morton. I was, I was confident they would win, but I never thought it would have been as convincing because obviously I've got, I've got a lot of respect for Dumbarton, uh, mm. Steve Aitken as well, I think, very good manager, so I thought it'd be a lot more difficult. But uh, no, fair play to Morton. Um, I what I said, pretty, pretty straightforward victory. Uh, created numerous chances. Um, and I three 0 without a doubt was the was the right result. Um, I was hoping that we would um, we would get them in the quarterfinals, even at Capo, even though that would have been a tough trip, but. Just in regards to all the all the signs being there, uh, obviously the last time we won the cup, we beat Morton at Capo in the quarterfinals, uh, and when we won the cup, our campaign got off to winning with a dodgy penalty, which happened against Ross County. So I was thinking all the all the signs were there, but unfortunately we've been sucker punched in uh, uh, a trip to Petodre. Hmm. And how do you? I mean, how do you sum up their trip to to Celtic Park? They've they've really played. I think they played Celtic at Parkhead just a couple of seasons ago. Did they not the beat cup. them? Or am I making that up? They, they, they beat them in the League Cup, yeah. Aye, yeah. Like, there was uh, that diet. No, it was Lennon. It was under Lennon, Lennon so was it was. Uh, Dougie Emery, I think, scored a penalty. Aye. That, that rang a bell. I just I couldn't remember if, how, long, how long ago that was. But I think they played them again, maybe after that. Yeah, they that. did. They did. did. Beat... Celtic beat them quite comfortably, I think, two seasons yeah. ago, maybe. And, and obviously they played Rangers last season as well at Ibrox in the Scottish Cup. Marty's first game. The def- team that like a cup run actually. Um, well, they are. They're, they're always notorious for that, yeah. and always been a a side that no kind of t- even though top five teams probably enjoy for the kind of day out and well, old school kind of ground. Yeah. But it's obviously nowhere MD. It's always a difficult place to go to the old cliche, but like that, that's just Yankee Martin. You do just automatically Yankee Capo and Yankee. It's it's a very very hard place to go and play football, um, but mm. a cracking ground and so I was hoping hoping that we would maybe get them there again. But now Morton, let's say notorious cup side, and I really hope that they can go to Celtic Park and get um, get 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 a win or a replay. But I just I, I don't know whether I can see that or not. I just want you guys to sum that game up. That's that tie up. In fact, just sum up the whole draw in just one word between you. One word each. Hot balls. <laughs> hot balls, man. One uh, word, hot balls. Make sure Rangers and Celtic got the, their home ties and, and uh, Aberdeen as well now, who, who are part of that elite. Hmm. So m- make sure that they all get their home ties and matching them up. Aberdeen. If you literally think it, it's probably like literally the... Most depressing possible like, cup draw. Aye, but yeah. it's literally like the hardest... Ta- like, like for every opposition side... I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Like, like they couldn't have made a harder draw for the opposition in any of these games if they tried. Can I? Because you've got Morton got right, to Barkhead, yeah. Falkirk got to Ibrox, Kowalik got to Aberdeen, which is obviously a tough game. 
Um, and then you've got Hearts Motherwell, which is really just a really tough side game for either, either side. Uh, I don't know. Sorry, right? I, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Morton going to Ibrox is particularly tough, given we have been shite at home. This, oh, uh, I can't come on, I mean, but, there's no way I can't uh, Martin, sorry, Falkirk going to Ibrox. I know, it was just, it was funny, because uh, just like, kind of, just before the draw yesterday, obviously, just kind of looking at what people were saying, and kind of folk were going, eh, actually, I think we'd maybe <laughs> rather go for an away tie, given our form at Ibrox this season. Uh, obviously, I get I get what you mean, but it is, it is just kind of funny looking at it going, actually, we've not been that good at home, so maybe we could do we going away again, but um, no, I agree, I think, I actually think your options are kind of limited yeah. at the quarterfinal stage in terms of really sort of enticing ties um, unless you get Rangers or Celtic against each other or against Aberdeen um, mm. then I don't think there's anything to particularly excite you obviously to be fair one of the, one of the old firm going away to Hearts as well would, would have been would have been decent but in terms yeah. of I, I don't, again I don't know really how best to phrase it but you're, you're kind of expecting that kind of draw when you get to this stage. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Because I mean, obviously, for a smaller point, uh, smaller club point of view, you know exactly what you just said, Fisher. I mean, I'm sitting there thinking, uh, an old firm tie plays or Aberdeen to play one of the old firm. You know, so is it? You at least know there's got to be one big side out mm-hmm. going into the semi-finals, but. Realistically, you're looking at all three of the uh, the top clubs in Scotland uh, progressing into the semis. Um, even though I'm I'm very hopeful that that ourselves can go up to Pataudry and eventually there's a bad run against Aberdeen. Got to stop sometimes, so playing in the Scottish Cup. Um, but it's just it's, it's just a, when I seen it, I was like, oh no, I would have even rather played Celtic Rangers at Ibrox Parkhead just because going to Pataudry the four hours up there. For, yeah potential disappointment to come back down whereas I mean if you've got to Glasgow and you say pumped man and you're only you're back down the road in 40 minutes anyway <laughs> so whereas I mean that can be a long long road back if if Todgy but no I'm pretty confident that Steve Clark will, will, um, will, will certainly get a performance at this, this command side uh, obviously we have to have to match Aberdeen with, with, with how, how good a team they are and nullify uh, Mackay Stephen McGinn Christie no tall order but from a command point of view, I genuinely don't think we could have got a worse draw. I think if you're looking at it, so I think obviously everyone's saying it'll be Rangers, Celtic, Hearts and Aberdeen in the semis. I think it's, I don't think it's um, stupid to say that Kilmarnock could probably get the best chance out of anybody of breaking that, per- that personally speaking. No, I think, I think, I think, uh, I think Hearts, just the way Hearts seem to play, I think Hearts will make sure they're in the semi-finals. Mm. Rather comfortably, I think Aberdeen Kilmarnock is a tied round just because with how well Steve Clark's done since he's come in, some of the players now that Kilmarnock have got there. I mean, Malumbu against Aberdeen, you know, he's 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 essentially ran the show against Rangers and Celtic. There's absolutely no reason why he can't do it against Aberdeen. Okay, those two games were at rugby part, but but still with the players that Kilmarnock have got, I, I think I think it's very likely that Kilmarnock will be in the semi-finals. To be honest with you, I think they've got a good yes, team. Man. Um, and I think unless there is a significant drop off, which doesn't appear to be becoming any time soon between now and that game at Petodre, I, I think there is. I don't think you can call that game. Obviously, Aberdeen are favourites, but I really think Kilmarnock have got a good chance. I think there's a a good 
there, there are various reasons why you know Kelly Cal and the rest of the command like support can be confident going to going to that game against Pataudry because I, I've said it's it and I, I, yeah I, I just I don't think um, I, and people will say oh it's like being a Ranger supporter and things like that I'm, I'm biased and, and not liking Aberdeen I, I've not for for one moment ever thought that this Aberdeen team is anything great that people you know they've got good players uh, McInnes does well um, against you know tends to do well against teams like Kilmarnock but I think that, that they're there to be got at by a good side um, and Kilmarnock at the moment are a good side with good players um, with a really talented manager and confidence is high if they can keep that up going into the game against Aberdeen um, I, I definitely could see them could see them progressing to the semi-finals Thank you, Fisher. You are now uh, Kelly Cow too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Rangers and Commander are the same thing anyway. So, <laughs> aye. I would. What about you, Johnny? Then what? What, what about the rest of the ties? Or that anything stick out, or is it bleak? I don't know. I I, I think I don't. I genuinely try to think of a worse possible cup draw. It's, it's <laughs> really depressed me. I, I think even if you just switch the. The, the two old firm teams, so they're away. I mean, Morton Celtic going to Capelos, it's so much better than Morton going to Celtic Park. Same mm. with Falkirk going to Ibrox, it's Rangers going to yeah. Falkirk so much better. I was at uh, Falkirk Rangers when um, that game where Hiplet came on at half time and changed it, and Falkirk won three two, and they were at, that was an electric atmosphere. You know, it's Friday night, I think, and it can be brilliant, but it just those two teams at home, it depresses me. And I think I would probably go along with Fisher. I think the tie of the round's probably Aberdeen Kelly. I can I, I can also see Kelly with a very decent chance uh, going there, but I just think Aberdeen the cup record's been really good under yeah. McInnes and uh, there's like say like Fisher's even said himself there that the record against any team that isn't the old firm is phenomenal. Incredible. So is it, the big thing for me as well with the, the fear about going to Petodre is that that you know, Aberdeen have got to base ourselves in cup competition now because I mean they're fairly established now at league position. I would even go as far to say, oh, well, no, no, what I'm not going to say that because I don't want <laughs> Ryan uh, questioning. Said, but I, I would genuinely think that Aberdeen would prefer to make an appearance at a Scottish Cup final with a chance of winning it than, like I think they they would maybe even prefer to if they come down to it. I think they would surrender second place. Uh, to Rangers if it meant getting to the final a good chance to win and so what I'm trying to say here is that Aberdeen's main target now has got to be Scottish Cup glory so that, that, that's what puts a fear into me I think McInnes will be putting everything into this game to make sure that they, they, they at least get one trip to Hamden Malumbo Power and uh, Dicker against Aberdeen at Petodre in a cup tie is, uh, is exciting I think Thank you man I think we Thanks should quickly rattle through the uh, four semi-finalists before you used to get too carried away here. <laughs> You're come on at clubbing. Um, I'm going to go for Celtic Rangers, Aberdeen, Motherwell. Four home wins. Potentially after replays. But four, the four home teams will progress. Fish. I'll go uh, Rangers, Celtic, Kilmarnock, Hearts. Hmm. I will go with the same. The same. Rangers, Celtic, Kilmarnock and Hearts. Obviously, because I have to back Kelly, I've never ever got it back against us. For 
only for Rangers and Kilmarnock to meet the semi-finals and to come come on and come on to <laughs> let us through with a comfortable three 0 victory and handshakes yeah. all round. <laughs> oh, wow. What kind of handshakes, man? Only me and you know. <laughs> Correct. What right. knuckle shall be rubbed? <laughs> <laughs> right, that's quite enough of that. Come on, <laughs> too staunch, too staunch. Right, we'll move on to League One because there was League One action this weekend. There was just three games. Um, of course, Air didn't play because they were busy in the Scottish Cup, and I think Sunrara against Arbroath was postponed, so we had three games. Um, Queen's Park came off the bottom of the league with a 2-0 win away at East Fife a really impressive win for them and they leapfrogged Forfa who lost at Alawa probably the biggest game of the day in League 1 though was Wraith beating Airdrie of course took full advantage of Air not playing they're 8 points clear now um, although Air do have one game in hand how do we see this title race going do you think that's with the, with the eight point gap but Air just the one game in hand Wraith really really big favourites now for the title yeah yeah, I would say so um, you obviously don't want to write write MD off and uh, I just think that Wraith have always got this most kind of consistent um, as much as they are wonderful to watch at times and they scored goals for fun like yeah. they, they never appear to grind results out the same way that Wraith Rovers do um, so it's, uh, I don't know, but uh, I, certainly Wraith Rovers are in pole position now to, yeah. to go and win, go and win League One. Um, but I'm pretty confident that United will fancy our chances in the playoffs, regardless. But I, I'm not saying that in writing air out this title race just yet. But it certainly not the end of the world because I think they'll they'll do very well in the, the playoffs if it comes to that. As you say, Air have scored. 64 times a season I think they're, they're well over 10 ahead of Wraith but when you look at Wraith's home record they've won um, every single home game this season since the first game they lost to Dundee which is well very respectable and they've just one draw in there was against Air um, they've won every single home match apart from that so <laughs> that consistency is almost unmatchable and the Air's record at Somerset hasn't hasn't been 100% you know so that is almost an unstoppable record. Now I would back that up. I think, I think Wraith also are with, too. Wraith are now talking about going with an artificial surface as well, aren't they? An artificial pitch. Is that right? Yes. I had not seen that actually. So. Ah, oh, it was it was in the news last week, isn't it? Oh, yeah. right, okay. Aye, so, aye, well, they're, they're certainly exploring the idea of bringing in an artificial mm. uh, pitch. We won't start on the artificial pitch actually, because that can get that can get people seriously talking. Um, I know people that say sort of artificial pitch. If you play on that, it's not real football, sort of thing. So, um, I'm sort of <laughs> indifferent towards them, but I can I can absolutely see why League One and League Two teams would do it. I mean, money wise, it's no brainer. Ah, oh, it's uh, financially. Yeah. Um, but now we will talk about League Two. Uh, we'll start off with just rattling through the results. Elgin beat Annan 2-1. Clyde got another last-minute winner. Good Willie for the third consecutive game. Gave them uh, the three points in the... Well, after the 85th minute. It was the 93rd away at Berwick. So that's six points he's won them in the last three games. Uh, Cowden Beath are now 23 games without a win. <laughs> They've not won since August the 8th. They beat Edinburgh City at home. I think it was 1-0. <sighs> Um, oh, God. 
Gary Bowen still yet to find his first Cowdenbeath, uh, first win as Cowdenbeath manager. That's quite incredible. I think there was 13 bookings in the match, three penalties, um, <laughs> an absolute shit fest by all accounts. But, uh, <laughs> Sterling manager Dave Mackay said it was a game they wouldn't have won a month ago, so worried about how bad they must have been a month ago if they weren't beating Cowdenbeath. Um, because they are every single week I say this as well it's like consistency in St Johnston Cowden Beef they make me so sad when I see their results I'm actually I'm praying for them to get a result sometime soon what why why is this happened to them it's like, it is staggering no, what, championship know, like, championship in 2014 man I know and they were so unlucky what? to be relegated <laughs> what is going on man they just completely tumbled down the down the leagues. Um, Questions must be asked. I can't, I can't even really put a finger on what's exactly gone wrong. And I've I've spoken to people Carry at, at Cowden Beef <laughs> about about this as well, and and they can't really even put a finger on it as well. I mean, the attendance is that at Cowden Beef are the lowest in the in the SPFL now as well. So it's it's really hard to figure out. And I know that they they obviously had lock, and they've had. It basically became a Hearts. Just, I don't even know what you would call it. Just Hearts reserves. Aye, that's um, ridiculous. That, that that whole scenario as well. Where obviously the man just Fox went. He was on loan at Hearts and was on loan managing. Yeah. What the? <laughs> so it is a bit of a circus there. Bring back Jimmy Nickel to them, man. That was soft. That out, man. <laughs> no, that's Jimmy Nickel's uh, chief operations and staunch at Rangers just now. We, we need him. Ah, true. Mm. I mean, we'd like to have him back as well, but we've we've loaned him to you, kind of thing. So, <laughs> brothers in arms, man. Hands across the motorway, <laughs> or hands up the motorway. <laughs> Correct. And uh, well, moving on from Cowden Beef before people get too sad, uh, we'll talk about the top end of the league too. Peter Head, and I've just written down next. Peter Head, everyone's coupon is down. I think everybody <laughs> had Peter Head on Saturday to beat Edinburgh City but 0-0 um, and that allowed Montrose to go six points clear it's actually incredible Montrose are just they're you see these teams quite often like I'm about to compare, I'm about to compare Montrose FC we're one hour 15 into the podcast I'm about to compare Montrose with Atletico Madrid oh game's oh gone what? <laughs> but they are just that team like Peter Head are Barcelona Montrose are Atletico that's how this is going. They they don't score the goals. They've probably got about half the goals as that Peter Head do. But they just grind out one 0 wins every week. Um I think when me and Lewis did our lower league um uh, lower league special, I started singing one 0 to Montrose. Um, you know, that famous Arsenal song. And they they genuinely are just that consistent team and there's nothing like it. They'll be I think they were two to one to beat Steny. The bookies are confused by them. Most people are confused by them, but they're so solid, so well managed, and they're going to be in a real title race now. I think with with Peter Head, but who do you see coming out on top there? Then we will it be Barcelona or will it be Atletico Madrid in League Two in Scotland? I still believe it will be Barcelona. Unfortunately, mm. I think that um, this is a wake up call that the the, the fishermen needed, man. <laughs> <laughs> Brexit, man. <laughs> uh, no, I, I still, I still think Peter Head just with their resources and that. Um, yeah. 
we'll still end up winning. Obviously, they get two games in hand, so depending on if, if they win those two games, they, they go back and even points for and throws. So, no, it should be a cracker, though. Like, it's still heads or tails, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, could, it could be either. Mm. Yeah, of course you've got to mention that sort of the gap in resources. Even though I know, I know, obviously Sean Dillon's playing for Montrose, who won't be, won't be there for free. But I think he's got some sort of agreement where he's taking on coaching roles and that persuade yeah. them to go. Um, Peter Head have got big names on, well documented big money players that have turned down uh, Dundee United. Even was was it Rangers he turned down McAllister? Did he turn, I know he turned down Dundee United, but there's certainly interest from Rangers. I um, think, well, I, I don't know if it was one of those things where it was like when we were in the third division, it was like, oh, he's scoring loads of goals, so let's sign him. I don't yeah. think we were we were too busy giving Kevin Kyle like eight grand a week. And <laughs> <that's it. laughs> Sandaza, man. And, yeah. Uh, Sandaza and Kevin Kyle and Wee Blackie and all that, so. Wonderful. Rangers League 2 A wonderful to time to be alive <laughs> At least there was a bit of novelty about that season The next two seasons were just fucking depressing Because we were shit yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. um, Anyway we've got two questions One of them is not going to be answered by either of you guys It's going to be answered by Tom Who's going to send this answer in uh, So we'll listen to Tom's answer to this question How many United players Dundee United Would you keep for the championship next season? Uh, this is obviously Jeff Jeff Waddell, I think Waddle Jeff Waddle. Assuming that Dundee United Waddell. are absolutely <laughs> Jeff Waddle, absolutely Waddell. ruling Dundee United out of any sort of promotion in the playoffs. <laughs> he would say Stanton, Fivey, and McMullen would be kept. He said the rest can go along with the clown manager. So we'll hear what Tom has to say now. Come up with a list. I think probably nine first team players. That's not including Khadid and Martin, new signings that are sort of listed as under-20 players. Uh, I would keep Tam Scobie. I think he's fairly solid when he plays. Likewise, Darnan. I think they'd probably still be our first-choice at half-pairing. Uh, I would get rid of both the keepers. I think Dennis clearly is not a good keeper if he can't get ahead of Harry Lewis. Harry Lewis, I would absolutely not be renewing his loan. Um, so I would say for next season we need at least well at least we need two keepers and probably four defenders because I would keep Cammy Valentine as a backup fullback because I think he's been pretty hard done by in recent weeks so, so it's been recalled I think not a bad fullback and he should have at least played against Falkirk but that's a different issue um, I would get rid of Robson as well I would cash in on him it seems like teams do actually want him surprisingly uh, mid in the midfield I'd keep McMullen and King, Stanton, Fivey, and Scott Fraser, if he wants to stay, I don't think he will. Seen he got his boot off today, uh, so it looks like he's getting closer to a turn, but I think he'll he'll want away and I wouldn't stand in his way because he's too good for us at this this stage, so why should he stay? Um, so yeah, in the summer I would be looking at least three more midfielders for that. And I would keep Matty Smith as a backup Maybe Logan Chalmers as well. He's not really had much of a chance, but I'd be looking to add two or three more players up front. So, yeah, uh, that is nine players of this massive squad we've got at the moment that I would keep, which says a lot about how the club is run and Shabba Laszlo as well. He would not be one I would keep either. 
um, and I was asked yesterday by uh, Ryan Hoss on the podcast if I would uh, take McKinnon back for Laszlo and well I don't think if we sacked Laszlo tomorrow I would take McKinnon back I just think uh, I would have rather had McKinnon still in charge so yeah another awful awful decision from Thompson and his bunch of cronies in charge of the club right back to you guys in the studio Right, and a couple of questions for the clowns that are left here. And we'll start with you, Fisher. Are Celtic worse this year, or are the rest of the teams better? And that's from the snowman. Why am I getting all the Celtic-centred questions? Uh, <laughs> obsessed. Uh, <laughs> obsessed with an H. Uh, I think... I, I certainly think, from a Rangers point of view, we're better. I think we're a better team. Um, I think Aberdeen are pretty much at the same level. Uh, it's difficult to kind of make a case for the rest of the. I mean, Hibs are to be fair. Hibs have come into the league and have been a good addition. Um, they've 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 played well against Celtic for the most part this season. Uh, I I think it's difficult when you're coming from a level whereby you've unbeaten domestically and won a treble for you to look I mean how can you look better than that do you know what I mean um, I think they've I, I think they've probably failed to, to sort out issues I mean I, if Celtic could just sort out their, their defence I think they'd be in a, in a, in a, in a much better place um, and obviously I think it's just natural performance levels are going to dip um, you you can't keep up that level of performance um, for nearing on, um, you know, two full seasons. Um, I certainly think if, and I've made this point all along, I, I think had we gone about our business a little bit better in terms of, and I'm not going to bore everyone to tears with the whole thing, but I think if, if there were certain things that we had done differently um, from... Uh, from boardroom right through to management uh, and through to maybe even player recruitment and things like that I certainly think there would be more of a title race on um, at the moment I think if we were a bit more consistent before the turn of the year um, it would certainly be a lot closer um, I, I think Celtic's performance levels have just have just dipped I think they are, a, they are a good team obviously they've been the best team in Scotland now uh, for a while um, but I would certainly say that we're a lot closer now to having a bit more competition at the top of the at the top of the table um, than we were than we have been for a while. Anyway, uh, not that I, I still expect Celtic to win the league this season, um, barring um, a, a collapse. Um, and and I think either ourselves or Aberdeen to put on. Well, for ourselves, it would have to be a consistent run that we that we've yet to show we're capable of. Hopefully, obviously that changes, and it would obviously mean that Aberdeen would have to start winning games against Celtic uh, and ourselves as well. Uh, so I think Celtic aren't as good a team as last season, um, but I think it was to be expected. To be honest with you, after the after the the year they had last year. Hmm. Anyway, your thoughts on the on the matter, Kaleko? Um, kind of combination of both. Uh, he's sitting the uh, proverbial fence here. Uh, <laughs> I think that, as Fisher's rightly pointed out, I mean for Celtic to be still maintain that level of performance, kind of eighteen months later, is uh, is a really really tall order. I think that it's just 
it's pretty common. Um, I mean, Celtic have kind of maybe somewhat rested in the laurels so far, but but then again, you look at the, the other side and think, yeah, we've got house back in the league. Are Rangers a better team now than what they were 12 months ago? Yes. The two sides that have beaten Celtic this season, are Hearts a better side now than they were 12 months ago? Yes. Are Kilmarnock a better side now than they were 12 months ago? Absolutely, yes. So I think that it's... And obviously, I think that Aberdeen, I agree with Fisher, have, have done well to still maintain how consistent that they are, minus against Old Firm. <laughs> but um, to, the, the Aberdeen are still, are still a very, very good side. So, no, I, I would say it's a combination of both, but I would swing more towards that. I think that the teams round about Celtic have, get, have, have got a lot better. Um, and I say long may it continue. Uh, and hopefully, this time next season, we're, we're in a real real proper title race yep very very interesting Um, my thought would be that Celtic are worse I think Celtic are worse this year (gasps) I I absolutely agree there's no question that Rangers are are better Um, Aberdeen are very very consistent Mm -hmm. and those are the only two teams that are kind of challenging as you say rightly says Kelly are obviously far better than they were and Hearts I'm, I'm not entirely sure probably better but Oh, they they are better. I mean, come on. Of course, they've been better since since December, but this season, as a whole, I mean, the start of the season, they were not great still. So since Levine's came in, kind of permanently, they've been yeah, better. Yeah, they've been. De- they definitely have been better. Yeah, they're, they're playing at their strengths more. Yeah. I think. Yeah, and you look at the recruitment as well, and you've got. I said Dimitri Mitchell, Kyle Lafferty, Stephen Naismith. I mean, that to me suggests they're in a far better position than what they were last season. Yeah. Can I can I just pose a question then while we're on this topic? So Celtic have lost two games this season. How many games do you think do we think they will lose before the end of the season? If we're going three. if we if we're going by the uh, three another three games. No, like uh, three in total. I think they'll lose mm. once more before the end of the season. They'll they'll, they'll, they'll definitely drop points. There'll be a few draws in there as well, but I think that they will lose one game uh, to end the season, making their season total three defeats. I'll go four. Ooh. Is this including the Cups? But do you think they're going to win the Scottish Cup? Um, I don't know, actually. That is an interesting question. Depends whether uh, Kilmarnock get through or not. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling they might not win it. I would love for somebody else to win it, to be honest. But... Yeah. Um, I still think their treble uh, will likely happen unless of course uh, we reach the final against them <laughs> what about your Fisher how many do you think they'll lose They've got, you're hoping surely Rangers can get one over them before the end of the season well that's the thing I would like to say that I think we will win but we're just too inconsistent and, and although in a kind of roundabout way I suppose we are consistently quite good in the big games apart from Hibs yeah. for some fucking reason at Ibrox uh, you you just you just don't know. We are in a we're we're getting to a better place in terms of the squad. However, I think last season I was speaking to Jory last week. Last week was the kind of premier example of of just the unpredictability of Rangers. So I, I don't know. I think uh, I don't want to. St- Do you know what? I'll stick my neck out in the line here. I think we'll beat them before the end of the season. Good. And That's I don't. A sort of and, statement I like. And I don't think they'll win the Scottish Cup either. Fantastic. That is so. Looking forward to Kemp editing this in the end of season pod when Celtic have battered us again. So, and won the cup. 
the blooper <laughs> section. <laughs> yep, that is a fantastic way to end the podcast because that is all we've got time for from Basketball Podcast number 187. Uh, 100, yeah, 187. Thanks very much to Callum Scott. Thank you. And to Callum Fisher. A pleasure. And I've been Johnny Clark, as I've, we say at the end of every podcast, and you get us on Twitter at Barsball Podcast and on Facebook, Barsball Scottish Football Podcast. Uh, we'll keep Lewis happy uh, by liking that page, so please do it. Um, and that is always the time for, as I've already said before. So thanks very much for our listening. Cheers. <laughs>